What the fuck is up, world? Diyali, Tlaltik Bak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast. Another grito. Se ha dicho. It's been about two weeks since my last podcast. <laughs> and this time, thankfully, I can, you know, at least for the most part, admit that the lull in episodes had less to do with being a little fucking sad boy and more so to do with the fact that it was just the end of the semester, homie. You know what I mean? Uh, the end of the semester is always a hectic time, not just for students, but for us, for uh, professors as well. You know, all that fucking grading and shit. I can show you the stack of papers I got here on the floor to justify it, not including the ones that I got on the fucking internet still. You know what I mean? Um, it's always just a hectic time, bro. But I'm, I ain't tripping. I ain't complaining. I'm fucking blessed. I love my gig. You know what I mean? It is what it is. But that is the reason why it took me about two weeks to get another one of these podcasts out. I did want to, you know, I was done with my papers and grading and shit last week, but I did. I'm not going to lie. I want to take a little bit of me time, bro, before I got back to this next podcast. Just sit around and stew with my thoughts for a little bit. You know what I mean? And um, in that time, I was just continuing along the same shit that I've been talking about with the previous episodes, the book, uh, Chief and uh, 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 Chief Among Witch, right? Working on that book, slowly trying to grind away to get that shit print, um, uh, ready, just ready, dog. You know what I mean? Um, to send it out to the world for whoever's willing to read it, for, you know? Um, and yeah, just working on the hood philosophy shit and all that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of where this podcast is going to head, but it's going to have a little bit of a twist in it. And the twist in it is going to be that this is actually a Nietzsche podcast, homeboy, because, well, I finished the semester talking about Nietzsche, which I always do because, you know, I personally find existentialism in general, um, but Nietzsche specifically to be very inspirational. You know what I mean? So I like to finish the semester on a strong note. And for me, Nietzsche is a strong note. I, you know, I know my Nietzsche fucking in and out. You know what I'm saying? And uh, on top of that, it's fucking, you know, it's very, it's very motivational. So, you know, I like to finish on that particular note for the, in order to, you know, send the students off, if you will from my class with just some good vibes, bro. Just send some good vibes out into the fucking world. Let it know that, you know, despite the fact that shit is fucked up at the moment, there's always hope. There's always hope, you know what I mean? And for me personally, that's what Nietzsche represents. Hope, even in the most seemingly hopeless of scenarios, which for him would have been, you know, like the death of God and shit, which for, you know, Christian Western people, the death of God and the ensuing pit of nihilistic despair that emerges from that. For people like myself who are slowly trying to recover our existence from that uh, Western Christian world, more so just the, 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 I don't want to say despair because it's not really despair, but just uh, the, the weight, if you will, that I've talked about before in the previous episode of having to work to become the, the self-actualized individual who managed to manifest meaning and purpose in their life despite some sort of, uh, you know, a, a godlike entity there to give it purpose. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you know, and that's kind of the, the deal with wanting to, uh, to not just end the semester with Nietzsche, but also talk about some Nietzsche today, dog. We're getting ready to enter into the new year. I hope to have a new podcast out for you before the new year's, but... um. If I don't, by some unforeseen circumstance, it would be nice for me to just, you know, start, uh, leave 21 behind and enter into 2022 with, you know, some fucking niche. The same principles applied as to why I end the semester. Let's end the year with that shit as well, with this podcast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, before I get going with the niche shit, though, I do gotta, you know, I gotta get this, the, the formalities out the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy on the, on, on the socials, right? OG underscore ice nice 13 on the gram and something along the same lines on Facebook, Twitter, and you know, all that other kind of shit, YouTube as well. Um, you can click the link on the bio. I promise you I'm not one of those Bitcoin scams that's going to fucking hack your account and shit, right? My, for now, at least, right? I got, I, I'm, 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 you know, like it's fucking scary business clicking on these bios, right? But I promise you the one on my Instagram will take you to my YouTube and so on. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. 
Let's just get into it, Doc. Uh, you know, one thing before we do get into it, I, I will qualify that. Despite the fact that I'm going to talk Nietzsche today, I'm, I am going to correlate it to this whole hood philosophy shit that I've been talking about in the last previous episodes. And I think one of the ways to do so is just just to reiterate the fucking the hilarity for me personally, right? And always coming in in this idea that these fucking thinkers, these prominent thinkers, are so fucking sacred in their ways that they, you know, were unique in their ability to come come up with these ideas. You know what I mean? Which I just don't think is the case, especially you know, even for Nietzsche, dog. Even for Nietzsche, you know how much I love Nietzsche, dog. But I'm telling you right now, despite the fact that you know he's very he's fuck he's, he's dope. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's the only one that ever had these ideas, bro. He was the one fortunate enough to commit them to pen and paper. But, you know, as I've already mentioned before, a lot of what he's talking about is shit that the Nawa were already on for thousands of years before he even existed, for one, right? And for two, like, well, I'm not just talking about individual people who have existed throughout the course of humanity that we'll never know because they didn't, you know, commit their thoughts to paper. They didn't rise to prominence and, you know, in terms of a cultural sense and that kind of shit. You know what I mean? But that doesn't mean that they didn't have these ideas, right? And I know this because it's, it happens all the time in my class, dog. People like in my class, students are always coming up with shit, dog. We find out, you know, I, I'm, I'm talking some shit and my students will always be like, oh yeah, I thought, I, I've thought about that before too. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is clearly that, that's just, to me at least, it's indicative of the fact that Aristotle, dog, they didn't come up with these ideas 5,000 years ago, bro. My students, you know, they're just as fucking intelligent. You know, we, me and you, let's take it outside of the classroom. We are just intelligent. We're just as intelligent as Aristotle and Socrates. You know what I mean? We never need to learn about these motherfuckers to still have the same ideas that they had. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of a, that's kind of a, uh, 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 an idea that I was left with as I finished off the semester because a lot of my students, they actually like the fucking niche shit for a variety of reasons. Some, some of them was because they had already felt this type of way, you know, so like, yeah, like called to them in, in, in a sense. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, that's kind of the correlation there with fucking with hood philosophy in the sense that this is the whole principle of hood philosophy. One of them, at least, is that um, it's a it's what in the, in the teaching biz, right? Teaching biz. Shout out to to Bell Hooks just recently passed away about a week ago. Right. As in the pedagogy business, uh, we refer to it as an asset based approach. Right. I'm not going to sit here and assume, the, you know, people like myself or my students, definitely, let alone you have some sort of a deficit that I personally, as, a, as an instructor or as a podcaster, I'm trying to feel like, nah, I don't fuck with that shit. Every single person, even my own students when I'm teaching in my philosophy class, despite the fact that they're in an introduction of philosophy class because they've never ideally took formal education in philosophy, those students, every single one of them, yes, even a little fucking snot-nosed 18-year-old freshman has something to teach each person, myself included, each one teach one, you know what I mean? This is the acid-based approach here and the idea is that instead of fucking trying to prostrate our, our, you know to ourselves to these fucking figureheads that we you know instead look inwards into ourselves and give ourselves a little bit of credit for that as well you know what i'm saying when it comes to coming up with these ideas so yeah anyways we'll just go ahead and get into the niche now dog and uh what i want to talk about specifically is a little bit of the will to power bro the will to power i mean this is probably one of the most controversial if you will ideas in niche and philosophy the will to power because obviously as i mentioned before it always gets mistaken for fucking physical violence, which as I've also qualified before, it has nothing to do with physical violence and everything to do with spiritual, emotional, mental, and attitudinal strength. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, when it comes to Nietzsche and his will to power, like, let's just get into it. I don't want to fuck around and beat around the bush too much because I got a fuckload of notes here that I'm trying to get through. But the basic gist is that his notion of power, dog, it's his foundation for his ethics and his philosophy, Okay. What he's going to tell us specifically is that the expression of power is to overcome oneself, bro. And that as such, the will to power itself 
is nothing more than the standard of self-overcoming, okay? That is inherent in every ethical theory. Like the idea here is that every ethical theory is trying to get us to adjust our behaviors, whether from a normative perspective, you know what I mean, or from some sort of meta-ethical perspective, and they're saying you need to overcome this in order to become a quote-unquote better person, right? And that's kind of what Nietzsche's telling us when it comes to this will to power. All it is is the standard of self-overcoming. Like it's this will to power is going to show us like, you know, it is the barometer which, which of which we measure ourselves by, okay? And he's going to argue that any power, um, this is an idea, again, this is not uniquely Nietzsche, and I do got to fucking qualify this, but what he's going to tell us is that any power that is had over other people it's nothing more than, again, a demeaning debasement of this fact. I, I, I mean, me personally, dog, like, I find this so relevant right now, especially in this fucking crazy-ass world that we're living in, bro. This quote-unquote 2021, if you follow the Western Christian timeline, you know what I'm saying? This idea of fucking power and control and fucking systematic and institution fucking oppression, bro. I mean, it's always been, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a fundamental asset of, a facet, rather, of, in my opinion, of the Western world, right? Like, these motherfuckers are built on domination, domineering, and hierarchy, you know what I'm saying? That's why people like myself are like, man, fuck this shit. We can indigenize and fucking, you know, get away from this hierarchy bullshit. But uh, and going back to how it relates to right now, this current Western world, we see this so prominently with shit like, you know, the vaccine and shit, bro. And fucking social credit scores and pending social credit scores that for the longest time we were told fucking we were conspiracy theorists for believing in. And yet now they're coming along and telling us that there are, in fact, little microchips that they can insert into people that will be able to carry around their digital passport information. So, like, it's just little, little subtle forms of control, bro, and that, you know, an, an overarching way that they over that they, that they serve to do nothing more than just oppress and smother the fucking flame of humanity out from each and every single individual person. For Nietzsche, this is a very demeaning debasement of fucking power, bro. Like, this is not the kind of power that he's talking about. It's not about controlling other people, bro. It's about having power and control over oneself, okay? Now, as far as Nietzsche is concerned, bro, this motherfucker avoided politics for the most part, okay? Um, and much of his conception of power are equally related to the conception of freedom. But the only kind of freedom that politics gives us, according to Nietzsche, is the freedom to obey and the freedom of mediocrity, okay? And it's the kind of mediocrity that's inherent in the current brands of democracy and socialism. So again, this motherfucker didn't really delve into politics too much, you know what I mean? But he does tell us that whatever, whatever the fuck it is idea of freedom that the politicians and, you know, just politics in general has associated with it, that's not the kind of freedom that I'm concerned with, bro. It's a very fucking grotesque debasement of the actual freedom, if you will, with a capital F, okay? What he's going to want to tell us specifically is that freedom is nothing more than the ability to have true power over oneself, okay? And that's something that each and every single one of us motherfuckers, I believe, truly does have, bro. I don't, like I said before, don't give a fuck about this free will versus determinism debate. That's one of those fucking unsolvable now, I guess the science is settled if you, you know, want to strictly adhere to a strictly scientific understanding of reality, which obviously I don't. So for me personally, I'm not going to completely discount the possibility of free will. You know what I mean? And uh, because of that, I maintain that irrespective of how detrimental our circumstances may be, we've always got a choice. We've always got the ability to fucking overcome our situations. And again, this isn't something that was instilled in me by Nietzsche. It's something that is much deeper than that, bro. This is a fucking, this is a, this is like a cultural trait that we as fucking you know, indigenous peoples, if you will, uh, indigenous folk and fucking uh, survivors of Holocaust. It's surviving, bro. That's what we that's what we possess. You know what I mean? The ability to overcome irrespective of any sort of fucking obstacle. Right. And thus associated with that is the notion of freedom, the understanding that at any moment you are free to overcome any obstacle that is presented to you. 
That's why I don't fuck with all this identity politics bullshit. That's why I don't fuck with all this victimhood narrative bullshit. Like I did in the past, but if anything, this is where the Nietzschean shit really fucking helped make it readily available to me. You know what I mean? It's understanding that that's just, that's just self-imposed fucking, uh, it's just a limit that we impose on ourselves, bro, to keep us from acknowledging the certain, the, the absolute truth of reality. And that is that being a human is fucking highly complex, bro. And that we have the ability to either a fucking dress that or to ignore that. Regardless of the case, that is a freedom that we possess that is uniquely ours. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of freedom that he's talking about, bro. So whenever it is that he's talking about freedom, what he's going to want to tell us is that this is the freedom that is it's tied to mastery, bro. Self-mastery specifically, right? And the uh, uh, more specifically, the mastery of the impulses to reason, okay? And what he's going to tell us is that this is the result of the development of a balanced concept, bro, of self and sublimation, right? The notion that it is the basic postulate of morality. And most importantly, he's going to want to tell us that it is uh, it's the primarily morally autonomy, okay? It's about moral autonomy rather than, again, political freedom, right, over others. So again, we harken back to this idea of like weak people, you know, who find strength in institutions through, you know, the externalization of their fucking desire for power. That's the whole master-slave dialect. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what he's saying here, bro. It's like a sublime process of taking radical self-ownership and fucking seizing our impulses to reason. You know what I mean? Controlling our fucking, our, our desires in such a way that we can fucking, if you will, uh, controlling them in such a way that we can manifest them, if you will, in a way that is going to be not in forms of freedom of uh, control of other people, but rather freedom over ourselves, you know, self-mastery, okay? The idea that I don't need to exert fucking control over other people, whether it's just me or another person, or whether it's me acting through an institution, because that shit is not fulfilling, ultimately, right? So we harken back to, again, what we're fucking experiencing right now, and you ask yourself, like, you look at all these people who are advocating for all these fucking government measures to interfere in our, to our lives, and, you know, when you take it from a Nietzschean perspective, it's basically going to ask us to fucking question the fucking motives for sure, but also the character, bro, of the people, because these are moral claims. The idea that you should be forced to get vaccinated is a moral claim, bro. The idea of a social credit score is a moral claim. You know what I mean? So if you're going to place yourself on this pedestal and assume that you are the arbiter of morality, me and other people unquestionably have the ability to fucking pull your card, bro, and ask you like, well, let's see your moral character. What the fuck? What makes you think you're worthy of telling people what they should and should not do. What makes you think that you're fucking worthy of making these normative claims? You know what I mean? These claims where you tell people how they should live their life or how they shouldn't live their life. You know what I mean? And nine times out of 10, bro, we look at these people and obviously this, the Wojaks, bro, it's the fucking, you know, there's, there's memes, the fucking, the, the NPCs, you know what I mean? We, the, the, the purple haired fucking people, the academics like myself, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't necessarily lump myself into that group with them, but I'm saying like, we know who these people are, bro. And we look at these people and we say to ourselves, you think that you're the fucking have the, I mean, no dog, you, you, the audacity of these motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Uh, to think that they're the ones that have the ability to tell people like myself what the fuck to do and when to do it. You know what I mean? Because again, those are just weak people, bro, who have found strength through institutions and they have fucking externalized their desire for control through these institutions. You know what I'm saying? And ultimately, that's not, that's not power, bro, let alone freedom. You know what I mean? And the freedom that they do have to fucking address themselves, they'll very rarely ever take because of how devastating it will be at first to realize that all this is a facade, bro. This is one of the things about Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche's philosophy. 
it's very naturalistic. It's a very naturalistic philosophy. And what I mean by that is that he bases it on the natural order of the world, the appeared natural order of the world, at least. You know what I mean? That's why when he's ever talking about the, the, the will or, or, you know, the master versus the slave, all he's saying, dog, is like, on what fucking, in what universe here on planet Earth, at least, is a zebra ever going to kill a lion, bro? Like, let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not possible. That's not the natural order of things. The natural order of things is for the lion to kill the zebra. All right. And, um, I mean, maybe a zebra could get lucky and like, you know, fucking kick that motherfucking lion in the face and break its skull or something. But nine times out of 10, bro, it's going to be the lion is jacking the zebra. Right. And that's not a good or a bad thing. This is why I was telling you, like, Nietzsche's kind of a, well, I don't say kind of, I'm this motherfucker. He was slowly making his way to the Nawa philosophy. Right. I'm always talking shit about how European philosophy, uh, just the Western world in general is like, thousands of years behind indigenous cultures and that that's kind of an idea Nietzsche was one of the ones that's able to fucking <laughs> advance uh, i don't want to say all european culture that's very dismissive that's a very broad stroke but the christian part the christian you know what i mean i'm sure right now i'm learning about the fucking uh oh damn what the fuck this germanic tribe bro uh what are the fuck they're the ones that believe in the cosmic egg and shit the heathens right and uh like their shit is fucking that their shit is on par at least for me it personally passes the standard and there's a, so many i'm sure other cultures in europe that fucking are the same right viking culture you know what i mean nordic all sorts of different uh cultures you know what i'm saying i'm not trying to just dismiss in broad stroke here but what i'm saying is the christian part it's like fucking thousands of years behind bro and the idea here is that Nietzsche was one of the few that was able to fucking you know like break through and slowly start to catch up to what i personally believe is more correct maybe i'm being fucking bias maybe i'm being relative who knows all i'm saying is that intuitively which is terrible philosophical justification just so we're clear but for me personally suffices in order to you know uh, uh give me confidence in the direction in which i'm heading it just seems to be intuitively clear that the idea here is uh uh, uh, uh of what the uh, my indigenous ancestors were advocating it just seems to be so far ahead of what is being pushed forward by the christian european world you know what i mean anyways Let's get back to this idea, bro. I'm fucking going off on a rant there. I'm on a little tangent. Now, to be sure, to be sure, Nietzsche has harsh views against our general connotation of freedom, okay? What he's going to want to say specifically is that it clouds by its current, it's clouded, right, rather, well, by its current association with civic moral responsibility and autonomy, okay? This whole idea of pulling oneself up by his uh, bootstraps and rugged individualism type shit, okay? Uh, he's going to tell us, Nietzsche is, that this type of freedom, all it really is, dog, it's just the expression of this comfortable, bougie, and by bougie, it should be understood here, Christian, right? This comfortable, bougie Christian morality, okay, from which he's philosophizing in, the one that he outright despises, okay, for reasons that I've talked about before and certainly will, we'll, you know, we'll probably address a little bit further into this podcast. It's 21 pages of notes, dog, so if I don't get through it today, for sure on a different one, all right? Anyways, the basic idea here is that he's going to tell us that this bougie fucking morality, uh, that this notion of freedom that we have gets, it's, it's, it's marked by passivity, dog. And it's marked by unstrivingness. Something that it's just, it's a morality that's just given, bro. Something that is, you know, it's found in conformity and good citizenship. Okay. Uh, the idea here for me personally, this is one of my favorite, most one of my favorite all time philosophical concepts. Okay. Um, the idea between the distinction between rather a good person and a good citizen. And um, when I'm teaching this, you know, personally, I like to show the example of the Simpsons. The Simpsons are a perfect example of the good person versus the good citizen, right? And uh, the particular example is, you know, in the intro, in the introduction, the long extended introduction before they fucking run over Homer and shit, all right? 
And uh, it's the part specifically with Lisa, bro, where she's in the fucking in her in her band class, okay. And in the band class, you have the fucking teacher, obviously in the front, who's doing his thing, and you have all the students who are playing their instruments, like you know, just they're playing the music as has been dictated for them. They are playing music that they inherited, that was created by other people, and that they are just rotely fucking going through the process of you know of performing. But Lisa, on the other hand. She's fucking living her best life, dog. She's feeling the fucking, she's feeling the music. She's on the fucking wave. You know what I mean? She's fucking, she's playing her fucking soul, bro. She's in Sochi, in you know, in Sochi, in Kuikat. The fucking, the, 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 the flower and honey. The shit that I'm talking about with the Nawa, whenever they say that it's the communion with the, with the fucking Teot, right? Um, this is a prime example, bro, of the fucking good person versus a good citizen. A good person is someone who unquestionably does, or rather, a good citizen, I should state, is someone who unquestionably does as they are told to do by their society, okay? And for the most part, I guess, if that's the kind of life that you enjoy living, it's a good thing, okay? Because there's no question that a lot of people can get very far in life following the mold that has been laid out for us in this Western Christian world, okay? You will uncertainly have the ability to find unquestionable financial success. You'll have social success. You'll have, you know, the world is ready made for you, motherfuckers, is what I'm trying to say. So it won't be easy for you. It won't be difficult, rather, for you to just, you know, navigate and fucking situate yourself in this world and succeed in this world. You know what I mean? But um, it comes at a cost, dog. And the cost, again, is that it's a very passive existence. Think about the typical nine to five type shit here. You know what I'm saying? Like you get the job and you ride it out for 40 years till you retire. Very passive, very safe. Again, nothing wrong with that, okay? But besides, you know, moving up the corporate ladder, it's kind of unstriving in a way because there's no seeming adventure. There is no fucking seizing of the opportunity of life, if you will, and trying to fucking make the best of it for the short amount of time we have. It's the same repetitive cycle of behavior to generate fucking profits for these faceless corporations, you know what I mean? In order to just make it to retirement on time, hopefully put your kids through college, all that kind of shit, you know what I mean? Which again... I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying that it's very passive, bro. It's very unstriving, okay? It's something that is just given to us. It's something that is the fucking default society that we inherited by way of public education, school systems and shit. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, just the socialization process in general. That's what he's saying. Like, we didn't earn that shit. It was given to us. We inherited it. Just the same way that the fucking band players, they don't create that music. They're not fucking vibing. They're not riding the waves. They're just fucking playing some shit that other people created hundreds of years ago and they're just going through the process. You know what I mean? And um, at least for Nietzsche, this is not good. This is not a good thing, okay? The happiness that, you know, people experience when they're living through this, according to him, it's something that is, you know, it's only they're only happy because they find this shit in conformity, bro, okay? And that's kind of, it's, it's just for, for him and for me definitely as well. Like, it's just not something that I don't vibe with that kind of shit. You know what I mean? I vibe instead with a good person, the person who irrespective... <laughs> irrespective of how fucking crazy we may be thought to be, right? Those who uh, those who are thought crazy. What's that fucking Nietzsche quote? Let me pull it up real quick. Give me one second. Can't recall it off the top of my head. All right, my bad. So the quote goes specifically, and those who were seen dancing were thought insane by those who could not hear the music. That's exactly what the fuck is going on with Lisa Simpson. And that is the perfect distinction between the good person and the good citizen. Like, yo, I'm just fucking out here living my life and shit, bro. Like, it's got some order to it because... It's structured in accordance to the Nahuatl fucking understanding of reality that, you know, you have to live an ordered, disciplined life in order to live a fucking one closer to Deo, to the higher and ordered. Let me, let me take that back because it's not a hierarchy. So it's not about being closer to Deo in the same way as it is that Christians would say about being closer to God. But rather, it's about being closer to the higher ordered end of the spectrum 
which is a more sacred concentration of theo is the, is the is the way to say it, right? Um, so yeah, there's like this structure and there's discipline in my life, but for the most part, I'm kind of just fucking I'm just kind of floating around doing my own thing, you know what I mean? And I know, especially like for my own family, that was a fucking first generation American homeboy. I was supposed to be the one that like fucking become a lawyer, become a politician, become all that kind of shit. But I'm just like, that's a, I don't know, man. I don't really know if I want to live that life. You know what I mean? That's an enormous amount of, um, I don't want to say responsibility, but it's just, I don't vibe with that life. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that I wanted to do. I found it to be very uh, unappealing as opposed to being a philosophy professor and just fucking rolling the dice. You know what I mean? And saying, fuck it, let's, let's roll the dice and see where this shit takes us. There's no doubt that there's still a lot of fucking passivity and unstrivingness in my life, but I try to, you know, work to overcome it as, as, as best that I can, you know, and by fucking just not trying as the best that I can to get subsumed into the system that, you know, only, only fucking can continue along with conformity, right? Now, in coming back to this whole will to power, bro, and coming along to this whole will to power, what he's going to want to tell us is that power does not share in any of these connotations, any of these rather connotations, Okay. What he's going to tell us specifically is that power resides in this steadfast commitment to struggle, right? To struggle and battle. Now, I will stop here and qualify that. Okay. There's so much to fucking unpack here, all right? But um, one of the things that I would like to just quickly get out of the way, because it's part of what I'm working on for a different podcast, but I will qualify it and say that this idea of struggle and battle is uniquely Western and Christian, Okay. And um, given the arbitrariness of reality, if you will, it could have very possibly been, for instance, that Europeans did never conquer the, uh, not conquered, but were able to ascend to power, you know what I mean? And thus insert their fucking ontology, the way of viewing reality on the rest of us, in which case we may have well been able to, you know, maintain our indigenous ontologies. And part of an indigenous ontology, and it, well, it's not like, it's not exclusive, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to, again, make broad sweeping generations, but, uh, generalizations rather. But a, a key component in many of them is it's not necessarily about a struggle and a battle so much as it's mutual fucking coexistence. You know what I mean? That these obstacles, they're not fucking seen as something that we must struggle to overcome. It's so much as it is as something that is there to strengthen us. This is the whole shit that I always talk about with the whole dynamic, dynamic processes of the Nawat processive metaphysics. You know what I mean? You're not ever going to be able to overcome your dynamic. That's not the point. Life will never defeat death. Death will never defeat night. Or rather, death will never defeat life. Day will never defeat night and vice versa, right? It's not about defeating them. It's about making each stronger. It's about balancing each other out. It's the one thing I love so much about jujitsu, as I've mentioned in the past. You know what I mean? You can fuck up your partners, but guess what? Inevitably, you fuck up enough partners and you hurt them. They're not going to want to fucking roll with you and so on. Uh, and, and you continue on that process rather and inevitably no one's going to want to roll with you at which point your jiu-jitsu is going to suffer because you have no one to fucking roll with. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of the idea here when it comes to this fucking, the, the distinction between this Western Christian world that sees all of reality as a struggle and as a battle that must be overcome as opposed to a more indigenous way that sees it as a mutual coexistence that recognizes that I'm never going to overcome this. It's not, it's just, it's not a struggle. This is just reality, you know what I mean? And these fucking obstacles are not here to, you know, weigh me down so much as they are to strengthen me and help me become a better person, okay? But anyways, that's that that's indigenous shit. I just wanted to throw that shit out there because, again, like I mentioned already, it's going to be part of another podcast that I'm working on, and I'll, I'll develop that idea further then. For now, and returning back to this Nietzschean shit, we recognize that, you know, this, what he's telling us should be viewed more as a, it should be viewed less as a, as a philosophical theory, and more so as a psychological theory, right? 
And again, more importantly, perhaps even as an ethical standard. Okay. Um, it's going back to the whole idea about, you know, the fucking, it gives us a standard to, you know, upon which to measure our ethics by. This is kind of what he's talking about, right? This whole idea about good and evil is overcoming and mastering oneself. So to cut it super simple, what is good? That which helps you master and overcome yourself. What is evil? That which keeps you from doing so. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, the best way that I could think about it, dog, is like, I've given this example before, but it bears repeating again. At least me personally, I find it to be such a powerful example. And just another indicator of how students themselves are fucking, even the youngest one, because this was a high school student, bro, are themselves aware of these ideas, even though they may not have the formal philosophical language to be able to help articulate it. You know what I mean? Um, but the example was of this one young lady, she was a high school student at the time, who was talking about how she got the sudden urge to want to join the, the, the cross country team. And what was so fucking weird about it for her and her friends and family was that she was never much of a runner. She was never really much of an exerciser to begin with. You know what I mean? But she like felt like the, the, the impulse to just join cross country one day. Right. And, uh, she speaks, she spoke rather to the class when we were talking about this about her journey and how fucking difficult it was for her initially. Because again, she didn't come from an athletic background. You know what I mean? So when she went out to try out for the, uh, the, the cross country team, they fucking told her no. They were like, nah, man, you're not fucking, you're, you won't make it. You just, you've already tried. She tried out and she was fucking, she spoke about how like, you know, she went through the whole typical, oh shit, I'm going to fucking be sick shit because I haven't worked out in forever. Now I'm running the X amount of length or whatever, right? I'm not strong enough, if you will, to be able to complete this. Um, so they, they, they told her no, right? They're like, you're not going to make it. So they told her no. And, uh, this young lady, obviously, she had one or two choices, bro. She could have either gone home and said, well, fuck it. I guess I'm not going to do cross country. Or she could fucking say, you know what? I'm going to make the cross country team no matter what happens. And that's exactly what she did. I always fucking, I'm telling you, man, this story is like five years old. But I still, to this day, I, this shit still is like inspirational to me even. You know what I mean? She was talking about, dog, she was like a fucking freshman in high school. And she would wake up at four in the morning to go run. And, uh... She talks about more how when she first started, she fucking could not even make it down the block, okay? Never mind not even fucking being able to make it down the block. She had another mental obstacle to have to overcome before she even got her fucking track shoes on or her running shoes on to go outside. And that was to fucking wake up when the alarm goes off, you know what I mean? Just the mental battle alone necessary to wake up at a time that we're not necessarily accustomed to is in and of itself a mental battle, you know what I'm saying? So when we talk about struggle and battle and overcoming, this is what he's talking about, Nietzsche specifically. These tiny little battles, bro, these tiny little struggles that make, you know, for the overall uh, experience of our life. So, you know, you were used to waking up, for instance, at a certain amount of time, seven, eight o'clock, you know what I mean? But for this young lady who wanted to be on the track team, she had to fucking wake up earlier because now she has to go run and exercise before she comes home to get ready to go to school for the day. You know what I mean? And she's talking about it, about how difficult it was at first to wake up. The fucking alarm would go off and the first thing she'd want to do is hit snooze. The alarm would go off and she would hit snooze and now she has to battle against fucking even wanting to get up out of bed because it's early as fuck. You're nice and comfortable. Your bed is warm and outside may be cold and it's not fucking, it's not your bed, okay? So she's talking about how difficult it was at first to just be consistent with actually waking up, with not just hitting the snooze button, fucking hitting the alarm button, getting up putting your fucking shoes on. She talks about the mental struggle sometimes of being like, damn, sometimes I didn't want to fucking go and I would just be sitting there on my bed like, fuck, I don't want to do this. But she still fucking laces up her shoes because she remembers, you know, like, I want to run cross country and the only way to be able to do this is to fucking start running. You know what I mean? So she talks about this, bro. And then she was talking about how fucking, for the longest time, it took her, she would get to down the block and she would be tired. 
But, you know, as the days went on, it was easier for her to hit, not just hit the snooze button, but actually wake up when the alarm goes off to not fucking want to go back to sleep, to fight the impulse, if you will, the self-mastery part. To, she fought the impulse to just go back to sleep and instead would fucking wake up when the alarm goes off to fight the impulse, if you will, to not put her running shoes on and just lay in bed, right? To just put those motherfuckers on and start running, dog. And in due time, she was slowly rewarded for her efforts because before where she could barely make it down the block, now she's running around the block. Now she's running two blocks. Now she's running three blocks. Now she's running a mile. You know what I mean? Every day, this young lady, she would just keep running and running and running, right? Until finally, she got to the point where she was able to run cross country. And she made the fucking cross country team in her high school, dog, which is where I met her. Because at that point, she was already on her running trip. You know what I mean? This young lady, bro, no fucking joke, would run to school every single morning. She'd show up to my class like sweaty and red. You know what I mean? So I was just like, yo, what, what the fuck? What's going on here? And she'd be like, oh, I, I just, you know, I just, I just, uh, uh, I ran to school. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is fucking 8.30 in the morning class, bro. So who knows at what time again she has to wake up just to get ready to come to school. She's got a little backpack on with her. She's running with weight, obviously. You know what I mean? And here she comes running into my class at 8.30 in the morning. And that's like, bro, this is exactly what it is that this Nietzschean shit is talking about, dog. When he's talking about moving beyond our idea of good and evil, he's saying, it's not about being Christian good and evil, dog. It's not about saying, did I live my life in accordance to some fucking checklist? Yes or no? Because if yes, then I did good today and I'm a good person. You know what I mean? No, that's not about that, dog. That's unstriving. That's passivity. It's about, did I do the shit that I know I need to do personally in order for me to be happy? For this young lady, it was fucking going out and running irrespective of how difficult doing so would have been. You know what I mean? And if the answer is yes, then good. You've done good. And if the answer is no, well, guess what, dog? You, you didn't do good. It's just, it's that simple. Those little fucking actions, those little fucking choices that we make, those little struggles that we have inside our heads, right? The constant fucking struggles that we have in our heads, right? Those, that's what determines the good, the, the, the goodness and the evilness, if you will, in our life, right? And thus the, the, the moral standard comes ultimately from how the, t- the scales, if you will, are tilted. Are the scales of good action do they outweigh the scales of bad actions, essentially? Because if they do, well, then you're living a pretty fucking moral life, according to the Nietzschean philosophy, in the sense that you're doing what it takes for you to fucking be happy, right? So this is the whole fucking psychological element of it. And besides being happy, dog, it's more important to note that you're doing what it takes that is necessary to help you overcome the death of God. Because now you don't need a God to give your life meaning and purpose because you're fucking doing it on your own. You found a meaningful pursuit in your life, fucking wake, going across, uh, joining the cross country team. And now that fucking shit has consumed your life in such a way where the joy in your life is quality is, is predicated by your ability to do so, right? That was something that was that this young lady discovered entirely on her own. It wasn't given to her by some external entity, right? She fucking found that shit on her own and she de- dedicated her life to doing that. So that's kind of what the gist is here when it comes to this Nietzschean philosophy, right? Which, again, I find dope. It's just, it's dope, bro. That's why I fucking resonate so heavily with it, right? Because this process, it's inherently involves manifesting one's purpose, bro. So we ask ourselves shit like, what's your purpose? And, you know, most of us, we never really sat back and thought about it. The answer is like, I don't fucking know, right? There's that great meme that talks about like, what do you do for a living? And most people are like, oh, I work, I do this. It's like, no, dog, like, what is your purpose? Like, what are we doing here? What are, why are we on this slippery earth? We got to find our purpose. Again, more Nahuatl philosophy, right? Find our face 
and orient ourselves in achieving that process. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the whole point here also with this Nietzschean philosophy. We don't know our purpose. We have to find it, okay? Hence the importance of stuttering. Stutter, stuttering? Nope, that was a stuttering. But that's not the word I'm looking for. Studying is the word I was looking for. <laughs> the importance of discovering and studying philosophy, right? The alternative, of course, the alternative, of course, is, you know, just to go to our deathbeds knowing that we didn't really even do so much as try to figure out what our purpose is, whether it was out of laziness, whether it was out of ignorance. It doesn't matter, dog, because in death, there's ultimately no excuses, right? Just the ultimate inability to do more. This is the whole concept of freedom again when it comes to Nietzsche. Like you have the freedom right here, right now. You don't got to wait till Monday. You don't got to wait till fucking New Year's. Today, you have the freedom to make the change that you've been looking for today, okay? And to conscientiously choose to not do so is itself a choice, right? So I guess in that respect then, going back to this will to power, what it could really be seen here then as is as some sort of a... It's, it's, it's a set of empirical hypotheses, if you will. Okay. It's a limited scope, right? It's, they're of limited scope, but they're empirical hypotheses nonetheless. Okay. And they're not intended to have any ethical value other than it is used as a means by which to criticize everything else in our lives. Okay. It's empirical in that everything in existence strives for it. And she's going to tell us that all of life is the will to power. Okay. So in that respect, again, this takes from the naturalistic element of his philosophy. And he says, because you can experience it, because you can, you know, view this like naturally in the natural world, this makes it empirical. Okay. You see a fucking, a plant breaking ground, trying to reach up for the, for the sun to quote, you know, loosely quote his, uh, his, 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 his aphorism. That's the will to power. When you see a lion eating a zebra, that's the will to power. When you see a zebra fighting a lion, that's the will to power. Okay. The zebra or the lion is not evil for fucking trying to kill the zebra. It is just acting in its nature. The zebra in itself is not evil for trying to deprive the lion of the meal necessary to survive. It is just acting in its nature. They are both striving for power, okay? Um, and it's ethical then in the sense that all of morality is built upon this. Now, this is a really dope point where I'm teaching this, but I'm not going to do it today. I'm, maybe I'll get into it some other time. I should actually not. I think about it. I don't know why I've never even considered it. But uh, I get into it when it comes to my philosophy classes about morality, the, the foundation of social control when it comes to morality, how morality itself is a form of social control because it's easy to control people when all the motherfuckers are acting the same in a way that you already desired for them. Now, I keep using this fucking example about the zebra and the lion, you know what I mean? But I should qualify it, though, that for Nietzsche, this, he often gets a bum rap for this seemingly naturalistic fucking philosophy because it gets, again, debased in the most fucking, just the most like unintellectual of ways but he himself is going to want to say that this fucking will to power it's for at least us as people it's more than just this fucking uh, uh, uh excusing our actions based off the fucking natural law if you will okay in fact for him when it comes to people this will to power is a means by which to overcome our Darwinian beasthood okay to overcome the drive for survival with life striving we are not just fucking mere animals we are capable of so much more okay whereas you know a dog for instance is limited entirely by its fucking biology we as humans seem to have something different that allows us to move beyond that namely the freedom necessary to become life striving people right so he's basically telling us like yo step your game up dog it's better to be a fucking niche dissatisfied than a fucking fool dissatisfied rather uh, niche dissatisfied than a fool satisfied, if you will. You know what I mean? We are capable of so much more and that we don't fucking strive for that is 
you know, it's kind of a tragedy. You know, it's like at the, at the risk of being hyperbolic, okay? Another point that I do would like to mention here is that um, for those of you who have studied hedonism, right, for those of you who haven't, maybe I'll talk about it if I have a chance to. I would like to. But, you know, I think hedonism is pretty dope, and this is a philosophy podcast, so maybe I'll get around to doing so occasion uh, eventually, right? But um, hedonism, when it comes to philosophy, is more than just satisfying our basic fucking pleasures, right? Like the basic pleasure principles. It's so much more than that, dog. And whenever we start to get deeply into hedonism, we see a lot of correlations here with Nietzschean philosophy. And it's not accidental, okay? Because, at least I don't believe so, because this Nietzschean conception of power, it can easily be likened to the hedonistic fucking conception of pleasure, right? Uh, which is like the whole fucking Dionysian uh, uh, shit that Nietzsche's always talking about, right? Now, whereas hedonic pleasure principles are dictated, rather, uh, on the sustained attitude of enjoyment that is, you know, prescribed by attitudinal happiness... So that's just a really fancy way for saying find some shit that brings you like true happiness, like in terms of your attitude and focus on that. Right. As opposed to just the physical, sensual pleasures of the world, you know, because those are fleeting and those can be removed from us. They can be taken away from us. That's what the hedonists are going to talk about. Right. So when it comes to Nietzsche, this hedonic principle is predicated or rather the hedonist where their hedonic pleasure principle is predicated on this sustained attitude of enjoyment. OK, by the way of attitudinal happiness. Nietzschean power, it's similarly predicated on pleasure and happiness, except that it insists that both are nothing more than the symptoms of our true goal, and that is the growth of power. Okay, that's all it boils down to, dog, right? It's the increased level of power that we gain, right? Um, so again, it's not power over other people, it's power against ourselves. The happiness in knowing that, fuck yeah, dog. Today, the alarm clock went off and I woke up. I beat the alarm clock, if you will. I won that struggle. I won that battle. I may not win it tomorrow. I didn't win it yesterday, but I won it today, okay? And if I won it today, I can fuck sure win it tomorrow. And if I can win it for two days in a row, I can win it for five days in a row. And if I can win it for five days in a row, I can win it for fucking a week in a row. And if I can win it for a week in a row, I can win it for two weeks in a row, into a month in a row, a year into a row. And now you're on a fucking roll. That's the basic gist here, Okay. That is your happiness increasing, your power increasing. And as a result, we are getting happiness for it because it's what we wanted to do and we were able to accomplish it, right? When I'm talking about this in my philosophy class, the example that I like to give is that of being in a philosophy class to begin with, right? because again, most of the students there don't want to fucking be there. They weren't, they didn't choose to be there. I mean, if you ask me, they did choose to be there. You could have chose geology, okay, but you chose philosophy. So you chose to be here, but they always like to give themselves their excuse, like, oh, I didn't want to be here as part of my degree plan. Whatever, okay? Again, me, more towards the fucking freedom element in terms of this Nietzschean conception of freedom we're talking about. So you always have a choice, right? No matter what. So, um, but, you know, I'll give them their excuses, whatever. Like, yeah, okay, you didn't choose to be here. So, but I will pick up on this and I'll be like, okay, let's, let's assume then that you didn't want to be here and that furthermore, you hated every second of this class, but you stuck with it and tried to learn as much from it as possible throughout the semester, leaving nothing on the field, if you will, okay, as it were, throughout the process. Um, at the end of the semester, it, ideally, ideally, you will have been happier for having done so as you understand that, you know, now that you were able to do so, you possess the power to overcome similarly or even perhaps greater difficulties in life, okay, because your power has increased. Your ability to be able to do so has increased. If you don't fucking want to be in a philosophy class and you stick it out anyways and you fucking give your all, you will be rewarded for an increase in power to be able to overcome shitty situations that you don't want to be in in the fucking future. It's just that simple. Like, oh, I've been here before. I know how to overcome this. No biggie. 
ideally this would be a case in which I fucking would be very unhappy. But since I'm fucking versed in the ways of overcoming this unhappiness, it won't be an issue for me to overcome this. If I can get through that fucking philosophy class, I can get through anything type deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> Your power has increased. The philosophy class was just a struggle that was not meant to defeat you. It was meant to make you stronger, essentially. Okay, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. That, that's the whole idea there, right? Um, but if you didn't, right, you didn't give it, a, if you didn't give it your all, uh, you didn't really cheat on anybody but yourself, though. You didn't really cheat anything or anyone but yourself, okay? And as much as you desire to blame someone else or whether you even realize it or not, the, the you know, the fault rests entirely with you or me, right? If I was in that situation, because I have been in that situation. And, uh, you know, I didn't respond in the best way back then because I wasn't as nitchy inclined. But now I find myself in a situation like that. I'm like, oh, I, I see what this is. This is just, it's meant to help me level up, dog. It's not meant to be a fucking obstacle that I'm just supposed to resist with fucking full force because it's how fucking miserable I make it out to be. It's just something that's going to make me stronger, right? So when it comes to this philosophy class, like, you know, I'll tell the students, like, ideally, ideally, you could do what most of us would be inclined to do. And we could, like, blame the professor, for instance, Right? But realistically, we realized that at any point throughout the semester, for instance, you could have either spoken up about it and be like, yo, I don't like your teaching style. Or, yo, I don't, I wasn't expecting this to be the, the material we discussed in the philosophy class, right? Or if you really felt some type of way about it, you could have just dropped. Like, that's the, that's a, that's a option students have all the time, right? But most don't, okay? And whether it be out of powerlessness to do so, whether it be, you know, for whatever reason, instead of like, you know, dropping or instead of voicing our concerns because i i have been here before me i'm speaking to myself here as a student i've been there before you know what i mean instead of doing the shit that we had the power to be able to do we just stayed quieter we just let it again the passivity we didn't do anything we just allowed life to happen to us okay and because of that they're festered within us and there grew this fucking feelings of resentment it's not resentment it's resentment this deep spiritual hatred if you will okay um, that, you know, that is being directed towards whatever it is that you feel is wronging you in life. In this particular example, let's say the class, okay? And, you know, you use that as the foundation for your misguided anger, okay? To which the simple response is like, bro, philosophy does not suck, okay? You might say, man, fuck philosophy, that class is stupid, right? Why? Because you didn't drop? Because you didn't fucking choose to do geology instead? Because you didn't choose to suffer or rather to try to get the most out of it despite the fact that you were suffering through it? Like, what the fuck? How does philosophy suck, dog? There is a reason why, okay, philosophy has existed throughout the history of humanity as in study, and is studied, rather, in every university around the world still to this day, okay? The answer is always, only ever will be that the philosophy class did not suck. We did. Our attitudes towards the philosophy class. That's what sucked. And in this particular case, it's more than just a philosophy class. The philosophy class is just a fucking... Uh, 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 an example. It could be fucking, you know, the work that we find ourselves doing. Just every given moment where we find ourselves in life with something that we don't find pleasurable, okay? Is it really that situation that sucks or is it us and our attitude towards this situation that sucks, right? Chances are, most like, more often than not, it's going to be us. We are the ones that suck, okay? But the good news is, of course, that we can get better. Like this young lady who went to the cross-country team without ever, ever having any sort of you know, athletic experience in her background. She sucked her first day of cross country. She would tell you, right? But she got better and she made the cross country team because she chose to take the steps necessary to do so, right? It wasn't easy, but it was absolutely not impossible. And people do it every fucking day, bro. 
The question then is not about why the class, our jobs, your life, whatever sucks, but rather why we didn't do anything to stop it from being so. Again, this this non-striving life, this fucking passive life that is just given to us. Why didn't we stop that shit from occurring to us, okay? Even though we had the power to do so at any moment, right? That's the whole gist behind this will to power type shit. We can keep blaming everything and everyone else for why shit is going wrong in our lives, okay? Or we can take complete ownership of it and we can make it the work of art that we desire. That's why me personally, I'm like, yo, fuck these little fake ass, bitch ass, fucking fake woke social justice warriors. You're not doing anything. You're not changing anything. It's all performative, bro, right? The real fucking, J. Cole, what good is taking over when you know what you're going to do? The only real revolution happens right inside of you, right? That, 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 that's, that's the shit Nietzsche's talking about, bro, okay? But of course, taking over, or rather the only, uh, uh, creating this work of art, the revolution inside of us, it's very difficult work. It requires a lot of power on our behalf, most of which are rather the kind of power most of us simply don't lack. It's not impossible to gain. It's very easy to do so. There's plenty of fucking books out there that'll tell you exactly how. Plenty of podcasts that'll tell you how. Plenty of information that'll tell us how, okay? It's just difficult to actually apply, right? And rather than doing so, we choose in many instances, Nietzsche is going to want to tell us, to just be, again, these passive recipients to our life, okay? Watching it un- unfold, if you will, in front of our eyes like at a patron at a boring-ass movie, okay? Lamenting the fact that you were, you know, you wasted two hours of your time watching the movie, four months of your life fucking in a philosophy class, a year in this fucking relationship, 20 years of this fucking job, however many seconds of your life that, you know, you can never get back, despite the fact that you know that at any given moment throughout that specific, throughout those specific windows of time, you had the freedom to make the choice to do otherwise, okay? So again, circling all the way back around, at the core of all of this, bro, is the will to power, okay? It's all about the will to power. Everything else is just derivative of this fact that she's going to want to tell us, okay? Happiness, joy, sorrow, etc., that is all derivative from the will to power, okay? What is happiness? The fucking feeling of power increasing. What is sorrow? The feeling of weakness increasing, <laughs> So the goal then is to discover this fact simply, right? And to live in harmony with it, bro. A process which is, for Nietzsche, right, facilitated again via philosophy. He's going to tell us specifically that the pleasure, or rather, he's going to tell us specifically that the pleasant life is more desirable with wisdom than without, right? Philosophy, like, I don't know, I'm just a philosophy stand, so I think it's fucking beautiful when I find people like, yo, philosophy really helped me out. And I'm like, yo, I, 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 I'm, I think it's beautiful that it did too, right? And I, I'm not surprised at all that it did because when we start actually studying this shit, we realize like, yo, this is like, this is more than just some shit that they're trying to teach. This is more than just reductio, okay? Let's be real with it. It's more than just fucking symbolic formal logic type shit. This is real life shit, bro. This is motherfuckers that have existed before me, figured some shit out. Help me articulate ideas that I've had in my head this entire time, but wasn't able to necessarily convey in a very eloquent manner, maybe. Uh, or maybe I had never thought about these ideas and I'm being introduced to them for the first time and I'm fucking, they're vibing with me so hard that they're going to change my life for the better, hopefully. You know what I mean? Whatever the case is, like, there's no doubt. Again, at least, you know, again, as a philosophy standard, I don't disagree with Nietzsche when he says that it's more pleasurable life is with the wisdom that we glean from philosophy than without it, right? So, um, and certainly, I guess in finishing up here, I don't want to go too long. 
even though I said I was going to start going over more than an hour, but I, you know, for me personally, I want to just keep it at an hour for today, right? Um, so in finishing it up a little bit, for Nietzsche, this power, he's going to tell us, is a, it's a better explanation of many facts than pleasure, okay? Namely, when we explain the role of self-sacrifice and or self-imposed suffering in human history, especially when we tie it into his ideas of self-perfection and self-overcoming, okay? Why do we do any of this? For the power, to increase our power, basically, okay? Moreover, Nietzsche, like the hedonists, they're gonna, he's going to argue that the quality of power is more important than the quantity of power, okay? So what that means is, for him at least, the ultimate aim of power is not to ex- fucking manifest it in this brutish way, okay? Any more than the physical pleasure or uh, uh, is not going to be actual happiness for the hedonists, right? In this particular respect, Nietzsche is going to tell us, okay, that power signifies potentiality, right? Namely, again, the potential to overcome, right? So in this particular sense, we're talking about like the you, like the me, the I, right? The phenomenological I. But I'm saying you, like, I don't want to say, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just saying from a phenomenological perspective, it's language and shit, right? The I, me, that I am unhappy with, right? It does not, you know, this might be who I am now, but it does not have to be me for the rest of my life, okay? I don't have to live with this me for the rest of my life. I have the power to overcome this me that is making me so unhappy at any given moment, right? Um, And it's from here where Nietzsche, again, is going to get that quote that that which does not overcome me only makes me stronger. It's not that which does not kill me, even though I said it earlier, right? Very common, but it's that which does not overcome me, okay? That is what only makes me stronger, bro. And he's going to tell us that the inability to overcome is a disease, bro. And it's the disease of weakness, right? And this, you know, going back to the other podcast when I was talking about like my dad and shit, <laughs> right? But he's going to say that the inability to overcome or even perhaps the better state of the unwillingness to want to overcome, that's the disease of seek of, of, of sickness, no, of weakness seeking to overcome powers, health and vitality, bro both of which are measured by their ability to avoid that very fact. So the very fact here being that of being overcome, right? So what do I mean by that? It's simple, dog. The stronger our resolves is, the less susceptible our will to power is to be overcome. Whenever we're first starting out on these fucking journeys, waking up early as fuck in the morning, saving money, you know, being very cautious with what we eat and shit, it's going to be hard at first because our resolve is not very strong. In fact, we're battling against fucking so many years of momentum about the opposite way, the evil, if you will, the evils. Dear God, I wonder, can you save me? Illuminati want control of my mind, soul, and my body. So I'm always saying that shit, just so we're clear, right? The evils, we're battling against fucking years of the momentum of the evils in our life that is fucking, you know, it doesn't want to die. It doesn't want to die. It wants to be, the, the weakness wants to fester, right? But we want to make the conscientious decision to be able to fucking overcome that shit because it's not bringing us happiness, bro. And we have the ability to do so by way of the will to power. Both are going to struggle for control. And it's going to be difficult at first. But if we just stay fast in our commitment, steadfast, and we stay steadfast in our commitment, inevitably our resolve will become strengthened to the point where we will be able to overcome the weakness or at least, at the very least, be less susceptible to it, right? And this weakness, dog, these evils, if you will, Pick your poison, bro. We all have them, right? And they all test our resolve to overcome them on a daily basis, right? And perhaps I would even venture to say that the more that we have and the more incapable that we are of overcoming it, 
the weaker we are, right? And the worm and the more work we have to engage in in order to be able to do so, okay? Now, this may seem inconsequential and perhaps even a little bit hyperbolic, bro, but there is no doubt that true happiness is not to be had in failing to do so, right? As none of us like to feel as though we are just slaves to anything, bro. We like to feel as though we have control and power over our lives, right? And the more we are able to exercise this control and power in our lives, the happier we will become, right? So in that particular sense, he's going to want to tell us that power is ultimately, again, the ability to overcome. And thus the will to power is the drive to be strong, okay? The drive drive to be strong enough to be able to overcome, right? Again, you can have physical power to overcome physical obstacles. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Physical obstacles and diseases. There's nothing wrong with that. You can have political power to overcome societal obstacles. Fine, right? But the real strength, bro, is the spiritual power to overcome spiritual obstacles, mental power to overcome the mental obstacles, attitudinal power to overcome our attitudinal obstacles, like we don't have a bad attitude towards shit like a fucking philosophy class, you know what I mean? That's the kind of shit that he's talking about. Then it's from here where he's going to go off into his ideas about the fucking Ubermensch and all that kind of shit, which for me is a whole ass other podcast for a a different day, dog. So for now... I'll just leave you be at this particular end right here with the conception of power and perhaps I'll pick it up again, this idea of the old man, the with power and overcoming in a later episode. For now, I hope you all have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Peace.